Hello, and thanks for joining us again on Sex and Light. Uh, here with me, as always, is producer Joe. Now with a domain registered. Yeah, bitches. And joining us today is Dr. Ted Morris. How you doing? I'm doing great. Excellent. Now, we won't be talking about anything medical with Dr. Ted because he's a vet and talking about bestiality on the air I think is illegal. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. Huh. But it's it's not never, a topic you hear about, often on, on radio, that. do you? I can honestly say I've never heard it on radio. There we go. <laughs> now, I heard a rumor, Ted, that you are a homosexual. What? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're around my age, I think-ish. Am I? I believe so. What's your age? I'm I'm flirting with forty, baby. Oh, me too. Nice. What month? Uh, I'll turn forty in October. I just want to say, neither of you look it. I'm older than you. Woo! You call me daddy. <laughs> um. <laughs> now, back when we were kids, I mean, there's still a lot of homophobia even today, right? Uh, but was what was it like growing up gay? Like, did you know you were gay when you were a kid? I knew I was gay when I was like five. I didn't know it was I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was I was different, and yeah. then I knew it was not a good thing. So I should not talk about it. But it is a good thing. Oh, it is a good thing. Well, I grew up in a, uh, a very Catholic family. Sorry to hear that. And uh, yeah, so not that my parents were particularly homophobic, but you just you just hear it. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere you go. And then I spent a lot of time growing up in Africa, which is not the most really open place. Where in Africa? In uh, Zimbabwe for high school. Okay. And uh, Lesotho when I was like four. I don't, I've never heard of Lesotho. Oh, that tiny little country in the middle of South Africa. Yeah, I guess, eh? How did you guys, how did you guys end up in Africa? Were you just looking at the listings? Like, that looks good. Oh, this looks promising. Circled out the highlighter. (laughs) No, my dad got a, he was uh, an accountant and he got a contract with CETA, the Canadian International Development Agency, and moved the whole family over to Lesotho, like, right after I turned four, like, right after my fourth birthday. And when did you come back to Canada? I came back when I was seven, and then we went to Zimbabwe when I was 14. Like, I just finished grade nine. Yeah. So it would have been, uh, the September I was supposed to go to grade 10, I ended up going to Zimbabwe. Do you speak any of the dialects? No, a little bit, like, good morning and good afternoon. I know a little bit of Swahili, because I worked with two guys... Uh, the one guy was from Zanzibar. Oh, fun. Which is not just a strip club on Young Street. No, no. It's, it's an actual beautiful fucking... Beautiful island. Beautiful, beautiful island. And then the other guy, Jay, was from the mainland. But they also spoke Swahili. And so I'd get the two of them arguing, being like, no, nah, man, Abraham, that's that's not how you say that word, you know? Jay told me. He doesn't know anything. Zanzibar is, you know... Swahili and Swahili Zanzibar is, is the birthplace of a, a, a language. No, Jay doesn't know anything. Uh, Zimbabwe was uh, Shona and Ndebele. Fabeawewe. I, I learned very little. That's, that's calling you a bad boy. Oh. Fabeawewe. Rude. <laughs> oh, it makes it nice, though. I, I learned how to call someone a bad driver, too, because we were on fork trucks. So, uh, I, you know, in Swahili, I'd tell them both that they're bad drivers. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's exciting. Africa, 
Very not pro-homosexual, though. Yeah, not a place I would even have contemplated coming out. A Catholic high school, like private school, yeah. all guys school, basically from the 50s. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, real lack of sequence. No sequence, although there was a gay club. There was a, the dance club that we would go to on, apparently Friday nights was the gay night. <laughs> but we never went on a Friday night. I'm of like, course oh, not. Man. Of course not. So, I mean, being over there and then being here with a Catholic family, um, I mean, it must have been kind of rough. Like, well, there was no. I just once I figured out what was going on, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm I'm never coming out. I guess I'll just wow be because my sister told me the story of a friend of hers who was dating this guy and. He, for like two years, and then he came out, and it just devastated her, and she claims it turned her into a slut. I'm like, well, I don't know. She started sleeping with every guy she could see because she wanted to make sure it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a terrible thing to do to someone. So I will never, I, I will never date a woman, but I, I guess I won't be dating any men, so I just won't be dating anyone. So I'll just be some celibate weirdo bachelor Ted forever. But aren't you like married or quasi-married? Or, 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 uh, I've been with my partner. It'll be 14 years in June. Holy shit. Didn't uh, not dating anyone arouse any suspicion? Apparently not. I didn't come out until I was like 24, and my entire family was shocked. Really? Like, really? Never had a girlfriend, never talked about dating. And you're campy, too. Well, I'm more campy than I used to be. Okay. I I used to have a friend who lived in the States, and, uh, you know, mid-States, and I can't remember which state it was exactly, but he was probably even more campy than you. He's like, no one at work knows I'm gay. Really? Are you sure about that, sweetheart? I was, yeah, I was totally shocked that they didn't know. My brother-in-law was the one that was the most upset because he used to work out at the Y near the village. So yeah, he yeah. thought he had good gaydar. And he's like, we, we, we didn't know. Like, <laughs> seriously, it thought never crossed your mind. But don't you have to suck a cock for a gaydar to work? I don't know. Is that how it works? I'm pretty sure because mine has, has been uh, uh, faltering. Lately, I've been. I've You're low on cock. So, low on cock, yeah, exactly. And I, I used to be able, like really good. I'd be like, yeah, that's. And now, go without cock for a few years. You lose your, your touch. Your gaydar just is gone. <laughs> it's fading. It's fading. So, do you think children have it easier nowadays? Like, if looking back on your life and, and seeing the way society is today. Do you think kids have a better time of being gay now? I think they would certainly have an easier time if they're not in Africa. Yes. I would I would say not being in Africa is a big plus. I, I would assume it's easier, but I guess it depends on your immediate family unit. Because it doesn't matter how open and accepting like your friends are. If your family's not, it's such a big influence on you that I think that's, like, that's what stopped me from, from coming out for the longest time. Is And I didn't realize you could be gay and not be out. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> I was like, I need some dick. I need to come out. I like, I, I didn't know you could. Isn't that what bathhouses are for? Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. I, I just didn't. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting tired of this. How old were you when you hit your first bathhouse? I've never been to a bathhouse. Fuck off. I've ne- I was going to go. And they still let you keep your gay card? Yes. I, yeah, I've, we used to talk because we would, because I was living in Guelph for university and we'd come into into town to, to party. We'd come into Toronto to party and just stay up all night. And friends of mine used to go, They cl- so they claimed, they would go to the bathhouse to like sleep for a couple of hours, which now I realize is 
ridiculous. You can, but it's not easy because they, they, they're blaring the music the whole time, right? Oh, really? Yeah. I hear the walls don't go all the way up. Uh, no, they don't. That, that as well. But I've slept there But like, it's a really cheap hours, place to sleep. I was really, really uh, popped a lot of gravel before sleeping. No, I was. Uh, no, I never went. I was always too afraid. Yeah, I guess if I'd gone, if I'd been in Toronto when I wasn't out, I might have gone. Yeah, but I probably would have been way too terrified to wander in as well. <laughs> I've so heard like, the cellar is, is really the scariest place. Oh, I've heard that too. I've never been in the the cellar. Uh, Club Toronto, uh, Marks, Saint Marks, I think it was called, um, on Church Street at Maitland. Oh, is that uh, is that Steamworks now? I could be, yeah. And then there's the one on on Yonge Street, just up a couple doors from Maitland as well. Can't remember the name of that one either. There's a lot of drugs ago, and as I've said before, that <laughs> is an actual measurement of time. A lot of drugs. A ago. lot of a lot of drugs ago. <laughs> so, are you excited about Pride? I love Pride. Do you? Yeah, it's gay Christmas. It's what, super fun. So what? I didn't know that. That's probably why I lost all my gay cards. <laughs> Are you actually like wrap gifts and give them to your friends? Or? No, it's just a big, <laughs> I don't know, it's just a big fun party. I know. What's not to love? But do you, do you think it's lost something? Because, I mean, the, the parade originally started as, as a, a protest against the bathhouse raids. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely lost its political edge. But for me, it... It was never a political thing. I mean, I guess it is. Anytime you go to Pride, it's it's kind of a political statement. But by the time I was going, or don't if you're yeah. mayor. It was it was just a. Hey, it what did we a... talk about? <laughs> <laughs> is there a Rob Ford moratorium? <laughs> we're, we're just, I, I, I. We should have a change jar every time someone brings them up. They, they gotta put money in it, and I'd be fucking broke by the, the end of the day. <laughs> well, this table can't support that weight. I'm just, I'm just gonna start a tab now. <laughs> okay. We'll keep track. But, but yeah, I mean, do you think that, that, um, I guess if that, I'd that been there's a... need for struggle anymore? Or we, you know, there's need for protest? Um, there, there still is, but I think there's need, more need for celebration. I mean, we're at the point where, I mean, there's, you still, there's still stuff to protest against, but we've got it pretty good in Canada. And well, in Toronto, really especially. good in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are some of the challenges going on right now? Maybe not locally, but I'd say internationally in the world. Oh, I mean, there's still like rampant homophobia everywhere. There's, I mean, you've got the Russian problem. You've got the, <laughs> all the charm that's going on in Africa right now. Like, it's just, I think having pride, and even if it is just a big, drunken celebration yeah i think it's important to have that big drunken celebration like we and should just be that's yeah. one, th one of the things i like about gay pride is that uh number one i've never seen a fight nope um it's the same with music africa when they have their afro fest a lot of fun never seen a fight no one's pulling guns and shooting each other or nothing it's just a lot of fun uh but yeah, you see all kinds of body shapes and sizes. And oh yeah, it's everything. It's everyone. And do you think it's gotten too commercial? This is something we'd ask our, our last guest. Um, for me, it's like I didn't because I didn't experience those early days of it. Uh, talking to people who were sort of in on the ground level, they're split. There's either the ones that are like, "This is a political thing. This is this is should just be a protest. We shouldn't have any of this, these corporations in it." And then there's the other side. There's like, "But look." 
what we built. Like, look how far it's come. And yeah. the, the political protest part is what led it to become just this big celebration. So, so is the commercialization showing acceptance of gays? To uh, to a certain degree, I mean, you've got as soon as you've got corporations on board, that makes it more mainstream. Which I know a lot of gay people kind of rebel against that. They're like, "We're not mainstream. We don't want to be mainstream." I'm like, okay, but being mainstream, being accepted, they kind of kind of go hand in hand. Oh, uh, I would think so. Yeah, it's just, or at least mainstream ish. Yeah, and I mean, it could exist without those corporations. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't be as huge as it is. But it's not like Pride would go away if, if you know, all the banks pulled out their funding. No, no. Yeah, it, but I think it at would the still same go time, on. Though it would, it would be more mainstream to not have the celebration then, because it's not like there's a straight Pride. Or, you no. Know, you know, so, I mean, Pride is celebration of all types, but it's prominently, you know, historically for the gay community. Right. So if the gays were totally mainstream like everybody else, well then we wouldn't have no we wouldn't have any parades. Well, I mean, Irish people are mainstream. They still have a St. Patrick's Day parade. They're still yeah, also, I'm sure they're just thrilled about that, yeah, right? There's also always a reason to kind of you know, celebrate who you are. Well, I mean the Irish came from from a, a long history of being excluded from things. Oh yeah. You know, they've they've dealt with their own issues of racism. Nobody seems to want to remember that. Except for the Irish people. And they just use that to guilt you into buying them another drink. It always works. <laughs> Charming Irish <laughs> bastards. <laughs> but talking about acceptance, I, I remember you, you telling me one time that someone told you, uh, don't let them know that you're gay until you've won them over. That was something I discovered. Okay. On, on my own. Once I started working for Yuck Yucks and sort of touring around... Because uh, before, when, and whenever I did a show out of town, it was specifically for a gay audience. And then I started doing these like one-nighters at a curling rink in the middle of nowhere. And if I opened with gay material, they would switch off. Yeah. And you could just see the discomfort. And I'm like, oh, okay. But if, if I do like, you know, I'm doing a 20-minute set, I do just 10 minutes of just jokes. And then they find out and at that point they well they either hate me because they don't think I'm funny anyways which is fine uh, or they like me so then they have this weird issue where they're like well we like this guy well, but he's gay but that kind of makes me feel weird but I but I like him okay I'll listen my dad is a huge fan of yours oh really huge fan nice it's like uh, yeah I even told him when, when you had your Comedy Now special on I was like Dr. Ted's on he was like oh that's He's amazing. just fucking tickled. He thinks you're awesome. I think you're awesome. He's got good taste. <laughs> um, but okay, so so now you you're in a place where you feel it's comfortable to open up with gay material, or do you no, still, I still space don't. it? I still space it out unless I'm like you know, in Toronto or like in in a bigger city. It doesn't matter. Doing she dot or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> they wouldn't let me on a she dot no matter how how tight my tuck was. Uh, <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Let's do this. So I just volunteered. No, but it's uh, it's it's still a thing. Although sometimes I'll like I'll make a little joke. You know, I'll, they find out that I'm gay, and if I sense any tension, I'll be like, "Oh, I should have left the car running," uh, or something <laughs> like that, and just something to just acknowledge the fact that some of them probably are a little uncomfortable. Are a little uncomfortable. And then I was in Sarnia of all places, and just made some comment about homophobes and starting and this woman came up afterwards and kind of yelled at me she's like why would you think that we'd be homophobic i'm like 
because you live in Sarnia. I guess I was <laughs> judging you. Uh, yeah, that's that's on me. Like I was. And that's I, rare for gay people to be judgmental. I know we're very <laughs> peaceful, open-minded people. Um, do, do you find that people, when they find out that you're gay, they treat you different? Like in the comedy world, like let's say bookers or you know show producers or whatever, you know, be it a, a positive or negative. The bookers, uh, the bookers definitely do. I don't, I don't find that the other comics do because it's much more about are you funny uh, or not. And but, a lot of narcissism amongst comics. Yes, yeah. So most people are not thinking about me one way or another. <laughs> but bookers definitely, uh, and two different ways. Because on the one hand, they're like, oh, we don't want to book a, a gay comic because it's going to make people uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, but I'm hilarious. This and, is I, true. and there's way more than just like, so, uh, who was defending me? Jeff McHenry was defending me because someone told, was talking to him. And they're like, oh, uh, Ted's uh, one of the funniest gay comics I've met. And Jeff's like, no. He's one of the funniest comics. That's it. It's, I'm it's like, thank you. Kind of like the divide between the, the bullshit gender war. Yeah, like I'd rather be a comic who's gay than, than a gay comic. Like I'm, I'm never not going to do gay material on stage, but that's not the only thing yeah, I, I talk about. But a lot of the bookers will, will pigeonhole you. Or alternatively, because I'm perfect for gay shows, some of the bookers are like, oh, well, do you mind doing this gay, can we push, pitch you for this gay show? Like, that shouldn't even be a question. Like, you should just be pitching me. Like That's it. I, I mean, thank you for asking, but that's kind of a no-brainer. Although, I will say, uh, straight-acting comics should never go to Slacks. <laughs> Gay comics should never go. I hated that show. It was I, such an uncomfortable <laughs> room. I did it, and I did, like, feminist material, you know? And even that, they didn't laugh at. No, no, you've it got a penis, just... and you're touching a microphone, which looks like a penis, so already you're, you're done. <laughs> now, going to a lot of open mics and, and touring or whatever, I'm sure you've heard some homophobic jokes. Uh, pretty much every show I'm at. Uh, does it irk you? Uh, only in that it's lazy. Like, there's some really funny homophobic jokes. Because I, I am a believer that anything can be funny. Like, if, if you tell a racist joke, if it's funny, it's funny. If you tell a homophobic joke, if it's clever and funny, then it's, it's funny. It's, it's a funny joke, and I'm going to laugh. Yeah. How do you make a homophobic joke that funny, though? For me, I can only imagine the teller is really the one who looks bad after having said it. There's been... Well, I tend to have a pretty dark sense of humor. Well, it was Alan Park who was telling a joke. Everybody during... can see the shock look at my face at that revelation. <laughs> it, was, it was during SARS and Alan Park was doing some uh, hilarious dark SARS jokes, but he was linking up people being scared to come, go to Pride because of SARS and he's going on about people sucking dicks behind uh, dumpsters and stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, you have a point. <laughs> you, you have a point. It's like, oh, we're so scared of this disease, but yeah, we don't care what's happening behind this dumpster here. That, that is kind of true. It was, it was a truth, <laughs> so it was, it was funny. But it's the, yeah, it's just people doing it for a, a lazy laugh. Like, you, they know it's going to work. Although, if they haven't seen, if they're not paying attention to the show and I've been on before them and the audience really likes me, they're homophobic jokes suddenly don't work wow. anymore because now the audience is not thinking about just oh yeah let's let's make fun of the of the homos they're like oh well we really like that guy and so. at that point is that when they switch to to the racist material yes immediately they're mm -hmm. like all right what's going on what are the That's faces it. like but it's it's hilarious to watch it because they're just so why isn't this working just this look it of worked confusion in on their face <laughs>
This joke worked in Brampton. I've, okay, have you ever had a homophobic heckler? Yes. What, Many what was a the time. worst? Uh, it's, I, they're all kind of bad, but it's just the sense of natural superiority that they have. They're like, oh, well, I'm superior to you because you're gay. And you're, and you're like, what? Like, heckle me because I'm not funny. Don't heckle me because I'm, I'm gay. And clearly from the way that they were dressed, they weren't superior. Well, no. Well, then I make fun of that, and then I'll be like, well, my classic line which shuts them up is, uh, you know, you better be quiet before I come down there and slap myself in the face with your cock, <laughs> which seems, they, takes them a while to kind of pro, like, slap, who's getting slapped with what? Okay. And, that, and again, if the audience is on your side, you can pretty much do anything with a heckler. That's fucking funny. That's, uh, that's, um, this is a dude that was on uh, Family Ties, and he did, uh, the America's Funny Song video. Oh, on, uh, on Full House. Ties. Oh, Full uh, House. Um, Bob, Saget. Bob Saget. Bob Saget, yeah. That sounds like a, a Bob Saget line. It's the first time I saw him. Yeah, but I don't think up. he'd be saying that to defuse the heckler. I think he's just <laughs> going to say that. Like, Good-looking audience. You I, can slap me anytime. I was in the States. I'm flipping around to see something on TV, and I came across him. I stopped. And the next line I heard out of his mouth was, if you heckle me again, I'm going to smack you so hard in the back of the head you're gonna end up sucking his dick nice <laughs> and i was like that's bob saget oh yeah people that never seen bob saget stand up it's hilarious yeah well like, and and i was it was like it was like i was drawn to it like an accident you know i i had rubberneck because i'd never heard him talk like that before oh it really throws people off like I'm, what did you just say danny tanner <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know jesse you kind of expect it oh yeah <laughs> Now, okay, let's uh, let's talk about your medical practice. All righty. Do you find, like, does anybody ever worry about you being gay there, like working next to people? No. Like uh, no, it's a really, I was worried about it when I first started to get a, was looking for a job because I talked to this gay vet who's like, oh, yeah, you need, you need to let them know. I'm like, well, why do I need to let them know? It's not going to, yeah, not, it's not going to come up. Anytime, and I'm like, well, I guess because you're working with these people so intimately, you don't want to work with a bunch of assholes. But it's, I work with all women, so it's not, not that women can't be homophobic, but it just, I, it, Less they just don't care. Yeah, it's just completely not a thing. Unless you're going to sleep with them, they don't care. Who yeah, and I think they before. actually prefer to be working with with the gay guys, so they don't don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I never actually thought of that, but can a woman be homophobic? Sure, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I knew a woman who wouldn't sleep with guys if they'd ever slept with another guy. That was her cutoff point. That's her line. That was her, yeah, the line that did not cross. And it's like, how does that make sense? I mean, you have gay friends. Well, I just don't want anything or chance to get anything. So, yes, gay sex automatically means you're going to catch something. Absolutely, maybe. that's what it means. Yeah, catch a smile. <laughs> catch a bus home at maybe four in the morning. In this city? Oh, okay. That's, that's funny. That's a good one. So we talked about uh, Pride Parade and all that, and, and we touched on Mayor Ford. Do you think it's important for a mayor to be at Pride? I think the mayor of Toronto should be at Pride. I mean, I think the mayor should be at the biggest cultural events that you're, you're having. So I, I think it's kind of a no-brainer to go and kind of ridiculous to put up such a fuss about not going. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I don't get them, honestly. I, 
You want to be mayor of Toronto? Well, this is part of Toronto. No, he wants to be mayor of bits of Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly the, uh, the, the crack-heavy regions. Exactly. That's... Mm. Yeah, I uh, I think it's just ridiculous that he would even consider not going. Like I I like this is kind of a no brainer. Like it's politically even if even if he is the world's biggest homophobe, it's like politically you should be there. <laughs> like you, you just you just should be there. You're... For the record, we don't need him to be on a float or be his own float or anything like that. No. We just I mean just have him show, show up. up, say a few words. Because if he actually was in the parade, he would get... I, I think people would probably throw stuff at him. <laughs> I don't know if we, I, he would but, I mean, Maybe that's dread. it, then. This maybe isn't the stone I wanted just, to get. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just afraid to show up. He doesn't want to get ridiculed and go over there, ruin other people's day. It's possible. I, I think Another he would way to look get at it, The way I prefer to look at it is that, statistically speaking, most homophobes are gay themselves. And I mean, look how long it t- took him to true. fess up to smoking crack. Yeah. Right? How long is it going to take him to fess up to smoking cock? Just saying. I know a lot of crackheads. That's how they got their crack, was sucking cock. <laughs> I just, you know, from my limited experience in my sheltered life. I guess this isn't a family-friendly <laughs> podcast, is it? Well, it depends what family. Where are the kids going to learn about this stuff if not exactly. from us? Exactly. Exactly. Advice I've given my daughter, which is one of the reasons I don't have custody, is nothing is taboo. Be first, be funny. Nice. That's good advice. That's it. It's never too soon. Be first, be funny. Uh, <laughs> so you've, you've been on the road, like, a lot. Yes. How many cities have you hit? Oh, gosh. Counting the little tiny ones? I'd, I'd say at least 100. Wow. Different spots. Do you like being on the road, or, or do you miss your, your husband? Um, I like it. It just sort of depends on where you are and who you're with. Yeah. I mean, that I've, I've grown to love and dread road trips, because if you're, if you're doing it with someone you can't stand, or just someone who you don't click with, it yeah, makes yeah. the drives just painful. But then you, you hang out with other people that you, you sort of know a little bit, and then you end up having this fantastic bonding session on this, you know, eight-hour drive to Sault Ste. Marie, and then you have a terrible show together, so you have that bonding experience. Like, <laughs> like that stuff is really fun. I, I really enjoy that. <laughs> and I always used to love listening to the the older comics, like, talk about their, their road stories, and they tell these, like, horrible, harrowing tales that sound <laughs> hilarious until you realize that in order to have that story, you have to have lived that story, which is the least fun part of Fucking the entire scenario. Bill Hicks talks about doing a set in, in the South and doing it on, I think he said, mushrooms. And, like, he gets on stage and there was, like, chicken wire in front of the stage, if I remember correctly, or something like that. And he started his, his set and someone came over and took out a, a knife and cut his mic cord. <laughs> wow. Wow. I heard, wow. Uh, yeah, and he was like, yeah, uh, we're getting out of here now. It's, we, we need to leave now. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, 200 people chanting at me to get off the stage. Really? That was the most homophobic show I've ever been to. Wow. Where was that? Uh, that was at Brock University. Really? Yeah. I was doing the show with Arthur Simeon, who I adore. He's awesome. And I'd done the, sh- the show the year before, so we're driving up. I'm like, oh, it's a great show. I did it last year. It was really fun. Uh, this year it was a sports banquet for all the sports teams. 
And Arthur went up first, and he was his usual delightful self. And then I went up after him and opened with, uh, keep it going for the the dark comedy of Arthur Simeon. <laughs> so play on words. Yes, he's Ugandan, but he also has, like, he's the most bubbly person. Like, he, like there's nothing dark about his material at all. And they're just like, racist. I'm like, no, 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 not, not racist. Yes, I, I hate Arthur. Yeah, I'm a complete racist. We just drove down together and had the best time. <laughs> uh, and then once they found out I was gay, then it, it was like they had permission to just be so incredibly hateful. And people wanted to beat me up. Wow. And, oh, yeah. it was. Have it, you ever was actually been seriously worried that someone's going to gay bash you after a show? Um, not really, because people are, people are mostly talk. And I don't really engage them. Like, if they're... If they're screaming stuff at me, I was like, well, that's not my problem. It's your problem. Yeah. I, I don't care. But our, Arthur was actually, he's like, I can't believe you stayed on stage for the whole time. Like, I would have left. <laughs> I'm like, no, I said on my contract, I had to do 30 that, minutes. And I was it. telling them that. I'm like, I was organizing their heckles. I'm like, all right, you can't yell at something someone else has already yelled out. Uh, and they're like, fag. I'm like, yeah, we already covered that. Uh, you suck. I'm like, I do very well. We've covered that as well. Uh, and just like, I was, they got madder and madder because I was having so much fun with their hatred. Like, yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. That's got to be hilarious. Morons. So I, they just got so angry that I wasn't leaving and none of this seemed to be bothering me at all. <laughs> because it, it, apparently they thought it was your first time ever running into a homophobic crowd. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. The, uh, the swim team had my back. They really liked Like, I ended up just gathering up, like, the 30 people that actually wanted to watch the show. I was like, well, you guys come forward. We'll just ignore everyone else. We'll just have our own little private show here, which is pretty much what the last, like, 15 minutes was. I'm like, all right, we're having a good time. <laughs> oh, man. That's, I mean, for me, I, I would think that's scary. Like, I, from living downtown, you know, because I've lived off at Church Street a couple times and whatever, homophobes are fucking scary. Well, they're it's when they're in a group. So they so they're in a group. So they feel anonymous empowered. and they feel empowered and like that you know no one's gonna do anything to them. Uh, but no one I've never had any. But I've never had anything happen after a show. But I've I've, I've had people chase me on Church Street. Yeah, like that that's happened a couple of times. I'm like, well, why are you walking down Church Street if you don't want to see gay people? Like, just move over a block. Yeah, I mean, and it's... you'll be fine. The fact that they go out of their way to hate someone. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a whole lot of money and energy. I mean, you're driving from Barrie or Newmarket to come down to Toronto to yell faggot out the window of your car as you're speeding down Church Street because you don't want to stop too long on Church Street. It might be contagious. It's bizarre. I, I was in Cambridge outside the sad little Cambridge. Uh, it's not sad if anyone from Cambridge is listening. <laughs> There's sad little gay bar uh, for a Pride show last year. And it was me, uh, Phil Luzzi, and Don Whitwell. We love Don Whitwell. And we're standing there, and this car drives by and yells, fag. And Phil and I just ignore them. And Don, like a minute later, she's like, wait a minute. Do those guys just call us fags? I'm like, well, I think they just called us fags, Don. I think. <laughs> and then she was getting all mad. <laughs> like, because then they called her a fag? Because no, like, no one's ever yelled stuff like that at her. So she's yeah, like, that's, that? It's funny because I tend to get my back up like I always have, even before I experimented with sexuality. I was like, who the fuck are you to judge anybody by who they want to sleep with? And so people like other adults that were around me or adults that were around me when I was a teenager and I do this, they're like, oh, he, he's probably going to be gay. 
You know, just because just because you hate homophobia, you must be gay. You must be. That's the only reason. So, that, and that's what proves Kinsey wrong. Yes. Yes, because if you're not necessarily part of that ten percent, but if you're homophobic <laughs> or not, I don't know. I've lost myself again. <laughs> a lot of drugs to go. <laughs> now, do you think that that uh, some gays purposely fuck with style just so they can laugh at straight people for copying them? I think the issue is some gays just think that because they're wearing it, it is fashionable. I mean, I... like pattern time, pattern shirt. Don't ask me. I'm not the person. To, I'm not the person <laughs> to talk to you about fashion. <laughs> I think part of it is, uh, I don't know. I guess if you're on the outside, then you you don't feel the need to conform with what you wear either. So you're just a little more open to wearing a little know, more comfortable with yourself too. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those things are for everyone, and that doesn't mean that those things are particularly fashionable. It's just what you want to wear. Now about fashion, I mean, do, do we sexualize our children too much? Uh, I think some people do. I think toddlers in tiaras is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Oh, no, no. Lacenza those girl. pictures. Lacenza girl? Oh, no, really? She, they shut down eventually. Ew. But Lacenza girl was, it was Lacenza, but for preteens. Well, part of it is I think that, I, I think part of it is that as adults we think of children we think that, that children have more sexual thoughts than they do. Like, when you see a little kid singing some song, yeah. or like, you know, like the milkshake song, they, they don't know what's bringing the boys to the yard. They just think it's a catchy song, and it doesn't mean anything. Like, I, I, so I remember watching, it was like Three's Company as a, when I was seven. I thought it was the funniest show in the world. I was missing, like, Half the all of the, I was just in it for the, for the pratfalls and, the phys- and the, all the misunderstandings, but all the little double entendres, and, and the Golden Girls, too. Like, I, I was laughing at some stuff, but not that, and it just goes over your head. So mm, I gross. think when parents get upset about uh, things in the media being too sexual for their kids, I think, they're, I think they're putting some of that on the kids. I'm like, the kids are not taking that in a sexual way, but dressing them up and I don't know. Seven-year-olds don't need T-bars. They don't need T-bars. They don't need belly shirts. Like, they just... Although my sister would just run around topless when she was seven, and there was nothing sexual about that. Like, yeah, no, it's... it's I'm, Same with, with my kids. Is, you know, especially the youngest. The moment she'd come in the door, clothes start flying off. Yeah, and, and that's she'd not just run around the apartment, you know, like when she was, like, two and three yeah. kind of thing, four. She'd run around the apartment in her underwear. And it's not a sexual thing until an adult makes it a sexual them. thing by making the kid feel weird about doing it. Like, my aunt used to freak out because my sister would run around with her top off. And my mom's like, she's seven. Oh, she, she should put a, a bikini top on. I was like, on what? Her little raisins? Like, who cares? Like, she, at well, there, that age? In my opinion, there is something wrong with putting a child in a bikini. It's weird. It's... Especially when they've still got those little kid pop bellies. You're like, well, that's oh. it. It's, it's I just <laughs> so inappropriate, almost like a, me in a Speedo. It just doesn't need to happen. Anyone in a Speedo. Almost anyone in a Speedo. <laughs> Joe could work a Speedo. If I were a professional swimmer, I'd consider it. Just make sure he has a gold medallion hanging down his hairy Italian chest. Oh, yeah, because that'll, that'll help with, with winning the race. 
Definitely. Absolutely. There are women out there who like hairy men. And there are men out there who like hairy men. And there are men out there who like hairy women. There's a there's someone for everyone. Nobody likes hairy women. <laughs> there's <laughs> someone out there that loves them. So Except there, for other hairy women. I'm there's gotta be people who like hairy women. There's no way. There's if she's else. walking down the street and has a mullet, she likes hairy women. That's the standard rule, isn't it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> there's someone for everyone. Just find the person that likes what you are. <laughs> How has your family taken your your uh, comedy? Oh, God. I think my parents were more upset about me being a stand-up than they were after I came out. Like, I think that actually made it, made me coming out a little more palatable <laughs> to them. They just were very confused. Uh, my parents have seen me once. Oh, really? Yeah, probably like eight years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was much dirtier material than it is now. <laughs> and they've never... They, well, they watch my comedy now and that. They, they really like that because their friends can see it. Yeah. And, it's and clean, clean, clean. enjoyed it and they like that. So, so that they like. But my dad gets too nervous when... I'm performing. Like, even as a little kid in, you know, the, the Christmas pageant, I was one of the biggest part. Like, I, I was I, I was always a little, little ham. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, on stage. I'm like, I need to be on stage. And he would just get so nervous for me to fail. Yeah. Uh, like, it's not like at a, it's, I'm going to be at a, you're going to be watching me do stand-up and I'm going to be bombing and someone's going to stand up and be like, that guy sucks and that's his father! Get him! Like, it's just not, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But my, he just gets, to, he can't relax enough to enjoy it. My my mom's like that. She doesn't come to see me a lot. Not because she doesn't support me in doing it, but because she's afraid of me having a bad set and she worries for me that way. I'm like, eh. Uh, my uh, dad comes to every show he can, though. No, I do not. I'm always amazed at comics whose parents are there, like, all the time. One of my sisters is a, a pretty big supporter. So yeah. she's, she's started to come to a lot. A lot more shows, and she's sort of becoming a, a big stand-up fan. Cool. But my other two, nope. And my parents, nope. Really? Yeah. Even because uh, they're in Ottawa, I was going up for this nice, like, soft seat theater. I was opening for Deborah DiGiovanni. I'm okay. like, come. They love Deborah. Like, they're always going. They're like, oh, who you heard Deborah on the is, radio. Is, How's Deborah? Is there doing? anybody who doesn't love Deborah? Oh yeah, De- my, Deborah and my dad smoke pot together, so they're bonded. Nice. It's, it was a good. That was a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think it's gonna be great. Even if I bomb, which I'm not going to, uh, Deborah's gonna be fantastic, and it's like a nice theater. Like, it's gonna be a really nice show. No, couldn't wow. convince them to go. So I, I don't even bother telling them anymore. I, I tell them because, like I said, sometimes my mom will come out. My dad comes out whenever you can and uh my uncle comes out uh whenever he can as well so it's you know my family likes to support me and that's cool they like to see how i've developed and i did get to see some weird re- like my mom's cousins i don't know what that makes them what makes them to me i guess well, your cousin second cousins. cousins or something so they, they came to see me in vancouver so i was like nice. oh random Family, hi. That's cool. Ignore all those jokes I was telling about mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> or at least don't let it get back to or them. Just don't tell them. They don't need to know about those jokes. <laughs> um, now, I've referred to your, your husband, even though you're not officially married. No. What do you think of gay marriage? I think it's fine. Uh, I don't think it's for me. I've, I never thought about getting married, so it was never something I, I, I don't know. It's never something I thought I would do. So even though now it's a legal thing, I'm just like, yeah, okay. I don't think it's for me. <laughs> like, no? No. 
Although you can make and keep a 14-year commitment. Yes. Well, see, I believe in marriage, and I believe in me being married, and I've spent more time separated from my wife than I did <laughs> living with her. <laughs> I don't know if getting married would change our relationship at all. I think maybe if we if we got together like now, yeah, when marriage was more of a thing, then we probably would consider it more. But I just it was never an option. Never thought of it. Never kind of strived for it. I think it's great uh, for people that want to get married, but uh, it's not something I, I ever the, entertain the thought of actually doing. So, and I've only been to one gay wedding. I'm, I'm quite really I'm quite surprised. Yeah. I, was, I haven't been to any yet. I went to one lesbian wedding. It was awesome. It was like a 70s lesbian prom. It was the best. Nice. It was a super that, fun time. Sounds good. <laughs> so, I mean, what is it about marriage that isn't appealing? Could part of it be the fact that, well, it's not like we're going to be able to create children together. We'd have to adopt if we wanted to take care of Oh, I do else. not want kids. Oh, you'd be good with kids. I'm great with kids because I can give them back <laughs> when I'm done. It's like, you all can right, actually I'm do that with adopted children. You have them for like six months, be like, yeah, I'm bored, like, I want yeah, to trade in. Can we get this? Can we get someone cuter? Yeah, upgrade. This one's obnoxious. I don't like this one. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, some people look at uh, marriage as sort of, um, I don't know, making their relationship more legitimate, I suppose, or, or more meaningful to some people. And it's just. I, I don't think my relationship's any less meaningful because we're not married. Oh, you're common law. Yeah. It's viewed. Although, he's American, and now that they've struck down DOMA, I'm getting married so I could get a green card would be the only reason <laughs> <laughs> I could think of. That's not I very romantic. I, I love you I so love very, you. very much, but I love that club more because they pay me more than you do. Can I get a green card, please? <laughs> Where's he from? Idaho. Really? Yep. Northern Great Idaho. Great place to be gay is Idaho. Fabulous place to be gay. It's discover if you like anal sex by shoving carved out potatoes up your ass. Yeah, his dad is super happy about us. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Cranky old homophobic racist from Northern Idaho. <laughs> no, homophobic and racist? Yeah. It's such a rare combination, folks. Yeah, no, I met him for the first time last summer. <laughs> After 14 years, yep. wow, or 13 years, I guess, at that point. And he said about two words to me. Nice. Nice. Oh, it's, yeah, it's got to be, like, because being bisexual, it's, nobody ever has to fucking know, right? Like, I can just keep it to myself and whatever, whatever, even though I choose not to, right? But uh, and being gay, you're gay. There's, there's no hiding that, really. No, well, if, I guess you, if you really want to, you can, but... Eh. Eh. But it's lie. all the same thing. <laughs> lie. I get, see, the problem with lies is that you have to keep up the lie. It's exhausting. It's extremely exhausting. It's, it's you know, it's and then you got to remember what the lie was. Yeah, I never wanted to be that person that was, like, changing pronouns when they're talking about my weekend or any of that. Like, I don't, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's why I didn't have any fun until after I came out. <laughs> it's it's I, I it's uh, relieving, you know. It's 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 liberating to come out. I think. Well, and then you realize that most of what you were worried about was all in your head. Yeah. Like the re the reality I'd created in my head was way different than what actually happened. Like I 
I was like, okay, I'm going to tell my parents and just deal with whatever fallout, which was just them crying for three days. And then they were like, oh, okay. Did you pack before telling them, just in case? I didn't even tell them. I told uh, one of my roommate's uh, girlfriends, who I was really close with, so she was the first person I told, and that was just so difficult to do. And then I told one of my classmates at vet school, because it was, it was like high school. Like, it was 100 students. We yeah. all had the same classes together. We just moved around in a herd. I'm like, okay, if I'm coming out, I'm going to control the gossip. Uh, so I told her, and then the week, a week later, I had a coming out party and invited everyone from, from my class to go. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's do this. How old were you? Because it was in vet school. Like, so you, 20, like 20? 20, 23, 24? I think it was 24. And then I was talking, I was going to tell my one sister I'm really close with, but then she was telling me that she was pregnant. So I'm like, well, I don't want to steal your thunder. And then a couple of months later, we were you know, chatting. I'm like, oh, do you think your, uh, your baby would mind having a gay uncle? I'm just like, why are you gay? I'm like, yes. I'm just like, oh. Do you want me to tell mom and dad? Because I think That's people hilarious. really like telling people for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that would be amazing. Which is odd because it's supposed to be gay people that are the gossips, right? Oh, no. This, she was like, this was the juiciest piece of family gossip ever. That's the gayest thing about me is I love gossip. Oh, gossip's the best. Oh. It's a, when I first started hanging out downtown, I used to hang out at a coffee shop on Isabella. And one of the guys there said that there were three major forms of communication nowadays. There's the telephone, television, telefag. Telefag is very, very fast. Yeah. <laughs> Word gets around. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and and the cool thing is it's it's usually pretty close to the truth when it gets back to you. It is, because usually with gay gossip, the truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I just... Oh. With, uh, with coming out of the closet, would you say, in general, the sooner you come out, the better? Or could there be times where it might be better to wait? Well, I think if you do... Like, I was fully prepared for my parents to cut me off, which, looking back, is probably a stupid thing, but I... At that, I was at the. I wasn't living at home, so I'm like, okay, that's fine. They were li still living overseas at that point, so I'm like, okay, I've got a good six months before I, I even have to see them face to face. And uh, like, I, I'm always amazed when I meet like kids in high school that have come out, and some of them were never in. Like those ones where you're like, oh, well, you just had to. Everyone knows that you're gay. You just yeah. have to kind of acknowledge. Anybody it have that kind of reaction to you when you came out to them? That they already knew? Yeah. They're like, or, or at least heavily suspected. No, no, and that's what boggled my mind. Well, I would also make out with one girl every semester, uh, the, the first week of school, to just throw people off the scent. <laughs> and I, I briefly dated this, uh, this uh, girl who was bi, because I'm like, okay, well, I guess she won't care if I come out. And she kind of dated me. She was very aggressive. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'll give it one more kick at the can and, and see, <laughs> see if it takes. I'm like, nope. All right. Kick at the can. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to get into comedy? That is a good question. I, um, I was always into performing growing up. And it's like, especially grade 7 and grade 8, I would always do drama and plays and, and just had a, a blast with that. And a, a good friend of mine, we would always go out for auditions for things. Like we auditioned for You Can't Do That on Television. Uh, Alanis Morissette was a complete 
bitch to me, quite frankly. 12-year-old Alanis, you were quite obnoxious. Really? Oh, yeah. She was like, wow, oh, like, who do you think you are? I'm like, oh, you're going to be a superstar. Okay, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. You win this round, Alanis. But then going to Zimbabwe like that, the arts was not a possibility. And also in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, doing anything dramatic is way too gay. So people, <laughs> so I just started focusing on science. And then once I got into vet school, one of my classmates was doing uh, improv, uh, just like casual improv games. I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. So, because I didn't have to focus on studying so hard all the time, uh, I joined up with this improv group. And then one of the guys from there went and did stand up one night. And it was the first time I'd watched live stand up. And I'd always been a fan. Like, my dad had some stand up albums I used to listen to, but I ne- it never occurred to me to do it myself. Because huh. uh, I kind of thought I was funny, but. Yeah. I don't know. I never, never occurred to me that it would be a thing. And just watching him do it, and he was terrible. Like, he just bombed. It was the worst thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> like, I don't know why watching someone do such a terrible job, I don't know. Like, it's because you think, no, I can do better than that. I was just like, that looks really fun. <laughs> like, that looks really, really fun. So then, like, three months later, I, uh, I did it, and it was terrifying. Yeah. And I didn't know about open mics, so my first time on stage was at Club 54 in Burlington. Nice. <laughs> where I thanked them for sitting all the gay people at the front. It's <laughs> like my opening line. I'm like, oh my God. Was what there much of a crowd back then? Oh, yeah, it was packed, packed with mullets. Because you can't get 10 fucking people out uh, there now. And I didn't want anyone to see me. I'm like, this is my first time. And then I told my my boyfriend at the time, and then he told a bunch of people, which I was pissed about, because I'm like, I don't want to have all these people watch me suck for the first time. Yeah. Like, come see me when I'm good. My first time, I was okay. I got a couple of chuckles. I got some chuckles, and he offered me a spot on the weekend, but I'm like, it's going to take me months before I'm ready to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> months. <laughs> um, and my second time on stage, I changed everything to blue, con- you know, like uh, dick jokes and shit like that. I'm making fun of skinny chicks. And it was just quiet. Crickets shut the fuck up. Right? Like, it was just nothing. Not a moan, not even a boo. It was just, I wasn't worthy of anything. Oh, that's the worst. And it was just like, I got off stage and I was like, oh, that fucking sucks. Yeah, I gave myself five tries. That was, uh, which I now realize is a ludicrously low number. But a friend of mine was doing it as well. We're like, yeah. okay, we'll give we'll give ourselves five tries, and if we suck after five times, then we'll we'll stop. <laughs> but I I got laughs the first time. I got more laughs the second time, and the third time I had a blast. So nice. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Nice. Did did it take you a long time to find your voice as a comedian? Yeah, uh, it did because I was kind of hobbyist at first. Like I wasn't getting out there and hitting all the mics all the yeah. time. I would do it like every couple of months or so. And which is not a good way to grow. So it it def, I, it took me a while. I tried being an angry guy for a while, which d- d- doesn't work. <laughs> I'm not an angry person. Uh, all all plus, my overtly sexual jokes never work. Yeah, they just make people really uncomfortable. Which is fun. I do kind of <laughs> like like if I'm if I'm doing a show and I do a gay joke and it makes the audience like uncomfortable and push back. If I don't like them, I just make them even more uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, let's see how far we can push this. <laughs> I did something like that in, in uh, Whitby, I think it was, the room that uh, Stefan Fayak used to run. And I got on stage and I did a, a Honey Boo Boo joke and they didn't laugh. And so I just went in, into my porn jokes and then talking about my experience in gay porn. 
And they're just like, you could see them all, like, especially out in Whippy, all like, ah. Oh, yeah. And this fucking drunk wannabe comic came up to me after, and, and she said, I, I feel like I have to take a shower now. I mean, that was awesome. That was well, I, I have the, <laughs> always have this attitude where if I can't, like, if the audience isn't going to have fun, I mean, you can, you can work at it, and you can win them back over, but sometimes it's like, eh, you know what, I'm just going to entertain myself now. That's so it. So at least one of us is having fun. <laughs> That's, I find I, I get mad if people don't get a joke. I have tester jokes that kind of lets me know how smart the audience is. I've, I've got just one or two that if I, if I tell it and it just sits there like a big turd, then there's Let's all see. these jokes. It's just a, a joke about my parents having sex and just hearing like yelling coming out of their room. So like all you hear all weekend long is this yelling and moaning and pounding and screaming and take it, bitch, take it, bitch. <laughs> and then my dad will yell stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> But if that doesn't get it, I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, never mind, all right. And then I, there's just chunks of jokes I just avoid. Because yeah. like, if, if it's going to require the tiniest bit of you thinking, it, I know it's not going to go over. Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite jokes are, are wordplay jokes. I love a delay on a laugh. Like, when people are like, huh? <laughs> okay, I get that. But in Vaughn, there's just delay. <laughs> and then no laugh. And nothing. <laughs> um... You have anything coming up that you want to you want to promote? Probably like let's look at this is gonna air. August. July, I think. July. What do I have coming up in July? Nothing. Well, where's no your idea. what's your usual presence? Well, can we find you online? Facebook, uh, Twitter. you Tumblr, can find Pinterest. me. You can. F- uh, you can find me online at uh, tedmorris.ca. My Twitter. Ah, he's got a website. I've got a okay. website. Nice. Uh, my Twitter handle is at dogtorted. Uh, doctor with a G. <laughs> People are like, what's dogtorted mean? I'm like, it's never mind. Uh, <laughs> if that joke gets a delay, you're not going to succeed. That yeah, night. <laughs> that just confuses people to no end. But, yeah, I'll be uh, doing my usual thing, touring around, uh, working on a feature film. Nice. For this class. We made a, we started off by making a web series. We made 19 episodes of a web series, so we're pitching it to CTV. And then we made a short film that we're going to debut at the end of May. And then we're working on a, on a feature. Well, if you need a fluffer. It'll be amazing. Well, we always need a fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ted, you are hilarious. Hooray! All you people out there listening, trust my dad's assessment of Dr. Ted, and uh, go see him because he's fucking hilarious. Thanks for joining us. Hope to have you again. My pleasure. I'd love to be back. <laughs>